Welcome to the Sober Bliss Podcast, bringing you hints, tips, advice and inspiration as you walk your path to living a rich and full alcohol-free life. Discover why sobriety is the most loving gift of self-care and self-love and how you can feel empowered and joyous with your choice to live the abundant life of alcohol freedom that you deserve. I'm Gail MacDonald, coach, teacher, mum and tea drinker, living a life of alcohol freedom and I'm here to help you to transform your relationship with alcohol in a way that feels good so you can live the life you deserve without alcohol holding you back. Good morning and welcome to today's podcast with me, Gail from Sober Bliss. And today I want to talk to you all about why January doesn't have to be dry. Now, I know that we are not even into Christmas yet as I sit and record this, but you know, you might be listening to this next week or even the week after. So, whenever you are listening, welcome. It's so good to have you here today. And today I am in my office under a blanket and well wrapped up because it's cold outside, which is typical for this time of year here in Spain. Although yesterday um, in the afternoon it got up to about, I don't know, 23 degrees with lovely blue skies and I had a really nice walk. Um, And I want to share with you as well um, and celebrate the wonderful things that my magical AF Christmas ladies have been doing. There have been parties which they've navigated sober and with ease. Somebody's just celebrated a birthday which was absolutely fabulous. And we also had an amazing session with my friend Emma Sobersonic all about alcohol-free cocktails and pimping up your drinks to make them look and taste amazing. So if you are looking for ideas on how to enjoy some gorgeous festive drinks, then do check out Emma's reels on Instagram. She's Emma Lewis, Sobersonic, and let me know what you think. So today then, let's get back to the topic, which is all about dry January. Oh, I hate that word, and I want to talk about why in a minute. Um, So yeah, I'm sure that the term dry January was coined with good intentions, and everybody knows what it is. So in fact, it is a really good um, reason or excuse if you want to have a break from alcohol in January you know you just say oh I'm doing dry January because probably a lot of people who you know will be doing it as well which takes the pressure off you Um, you've got some support there you know other people are in it with you and it can make what you are doing easier for other people to understand and you won't be alone Um, I speak to a lot of people who say, yeah, I always do dry January or my husband, sister, uncle, best friend always does dry January. And actually many people say that this is their month for going alcohol free and it's actually not a problem for them not to drink in January. 
Now, wireless is great um, and I've got nothing against, obviously, having a break from alcohol. The fact that people repeat dry January, year in, year out, is another issue in itself, but I'll come to that in a minute. But first of all, let's look at the phrase dry January. I have to say that it doesn't sound very appealing really, does it? To me, it suggests lack, abstinence, deprivation even, Um, and a bit like a dementor, as if all the joy has been sucked out of the month. Sorry about that, I am still listening to Harry Potter music. So coupled with the fact that the weather is usually rubbish, if you live in the Northern Hemisphere, um, you might also be physically or emotionally and mentally recovering from all of that merriness at Christmas and the New Year. Dry January does come across as being, well, a bit dull, boring, depressing and a little bit miserable. In fact, I asked my sister-in-law once if she was doing dry January and she said, no way, I did it last year and it was miserable. And that is honestly the general impression that people have. And also for me, dry January, I really don't like the words, um, it kind of gives the impression that you have to do something like stop drinking, stop smoking go to the gym, start the couch to 5k, go on a diet, stop eating chocolate or, you know, whatever other long list of things that you've got on your list because that's what everybody else is doing. It's like you're being given an order that you have to change your life starting on January the 1st, which can feel forced actually and difficult and that you've been told what to do. And then come all the blogs and posts and articles saying that, you know, most New Year's resolutions fail on January the 17th. And if you don't do it a certain way, then you too will fail. It's kind of, to me, in a sense of setting us up for failure, I suppose. It is kind of expected. And if you do manage to white-knuckle it all the way until the end of the month... Then, of course, you can reward yourself with a big old binge because you've proven to yourself that you can do it. You can take a whole month off and there you don't have a problem after all. So that's one of the reasons why I don't really like the word dry January. And while, you know, as I said before, I've got nothing against taking a break from alcohol. In fact, I think that a well-timed... A well-planned and supported break is a fantastic way to rethink your relationship with alcohol with a view to put in long-term changes in place. I think that's key. Um, You know, I'm really not a fan of the idea of just abstaining for a month and then going back to where you were before you started. Or worse, you know, I've heard stories of people who actually drink more to make up for lost time and whether we kind of do this intentionally or not it is a pattern that I see 
And if you listen to my podcast around Sober October, or more to the point, why I don't think you should do it, then you know what I mean. And if you haven't listened to that, I will put the link in the show notes. But for now, let's just say that you are here listening and thinking about doing Dry January or taking a break from alcohol for the month of January. So how are you feeling about it? If the thoughts of it being hard, dull, boring or, I don't know, a struggle or deprivation are popping up, then I really want to help you reframe those thoughts today. If, on the other hand, you're feeling excited, relieved even, then I hope that this podcast will enhance those feelings and give you even more joy to look forward to in January. So maybe we should start calling it Joyful January instead. I think that's a good idea. Now, I know that even the mere thought of not drinking can feel scary and not drinking for a whole month or longer might even feel impossible. I can totally relate to this because I remember you know before I stopped drinking I would just I would read a lot of uh, quitlet books blog posts and I remember reading Claire Pooley's blog that was before she came out um, and wrote the sober diaries she's got a blog called mummy was a secret drinker and I read a post where she was talking about being four days alcohol free and honestly I couldn't even imagine that at the time I was quite envious, I have to say, because I just had no idea what that looked like because I hadn't even been able to manage one full day alcohol-free in such a long time. And so often it's the thought of doing something that puts us off or stops us from doing the very thing that we want. We can tell ourselves so many stories and can talk ourselves out of it before we've even started. And that was my problem. You know, I would think, okay, it's Monday, I can probably do Monday, but then what about, I don't know, Friday? And oh my gosh, there's the weekend. How am I going to get through a whole weekend without drinking? And then it's the summer and then it's Christmas. And, you know, it was just too much to think about and because I had no real experience of it apart from when I was pregnant I just couldn't imagine what it looked like Um, and the thoughts would just go round and round and I would decide that it was just too hard or it wasn't the right time but actually if you are having those thoughts then it's probably the wine witch talking to you or the addictive voice in your head, it's not really the true you. So that's what I want to kind of mention first. The key to taking a break from alcohol or leaving it behind altogether, if that's what you want, is to make the decision not from your head, but from your heart, from that deep place within you where your true self lives 
Now, emotion drives behavior. I say this a lot because it's just so true. And what we want to do is to use that emotion, use those feelings to help us to do the thing that we want to do. It's really not about willpower or abstaining. It's about getting back in touch with yourself, your innermost dreams and desires, and using your energy, your feelings, your emotions, and not your effort, because the word effort just sounds like a struggle, to do it. Um, And I will be talking more about how to use your energy to feel good in sobriety in another podcast coming very soon. But for now, let's focus on how we can have an alcohol-free January that isn't dry, but joyful instead. So the first thing that I'd love for you to do is to decide that you are going to do it. Now, yes, this does come from your head. Obviously, decision-making comes from our head. But making the decision from a place of positivity is the first crucial step. Always remember that it is your choice, your decision. You are the one who wants to do it. So make the choice and feel good about it. Congratulate yourself for doing it. Now immediately, if you feel good and proud and happy about the decision, it starts to feel better. So just because you've made the decision, it doesn't mean that it's all going to be plain sailing from then. Um, Thoughts and fears and doubts will probably pop up. You know, it's like when you wake up in the morning and you say, okay, that's it, I'm never drinking again. You're very clear on that. And then five o'clock rolls around and those thoughts come back in and maybe persuade you to open the fridge after all. And we want to deal with those thoughts and feelings um, before we even start, actually, which is one of the reasons why I'm recording this early. So I would love for you to get a, you know, a big piece of paper and do a big old brain dump and get everything out about dry January or going alcohol free in January. Get all your thoughts and feelings about what you've decided to do out on paper Um, and it really is best to do this by hand so draw two columns in one column we're going to write down all of the negative thoughts all of those negative feelings all the fears and doubts that come up when we think about having a month of alcohol and in the other column we're going to write down all the great reasons why we're doing this the happy, the positive and the uplifting thoughts and feelings that come up Um, because those are the things that we're going to focus on. So take your time with this. Don't censor what comes up. Just let it all out without any judgment at all. And I want you to forget about the fears and the doubts for a moment. The reason we wrote them down was simply to get them out of our heads and to make room for the good stuff. And it is natural to focus on the negative. 
you know, the fear and the worry and the doubt is unfortunately our kind of um, default. We always focus on the worst case scenario. And it takes practice to spend time immersed in the good thoughts and feelings. You know, it takes practice to focus on the joy and the benefits and all the good things. So that's what I want to help you with. And that's what is going to really help you when it comes to taking a month off alcohol. So I want you to focus on the good things that you wrote down or when you've finished listening to this podcast, the good things that you will write down. Because it is those positive feelings, those positive thoughts and emotions and kind of inspiring dreams that are going to get you through, not just in January, but beyond. And if you know me, I hope you do by now, my approach is always to come from a place of love and joy and positivity. And that's because, well, it's just a nicer thing to do, really. And focusing on the negative, the guilt, the shame, the regret, how hard it might be, is just not helpful because you know if we focus on those negative thoughts and feelings then they can make us feel worse and we don't want to go down that road so if you focus on the fact that January is cold it is dark and wet and miserable and without a drink to see you through or ease the dreariness then you're going to be miserable. Um, If you feel miserable and you expect it to be miserable, then that's what's going to happen. But if we focus on the positives and how good we're going to feel, then there's, you know, a lot higher chance that we will feel good. And personally, I think that January is a great time to leave the alcohol behind simply because it is cold and wet and a bit dull. January really can be joyful without alcohol and it's the perfect time to indulge in some much-needed self-care after the excesses of Christmas. You know, keep your fairy lights up, keep the candles, um, keep the lovely scents that you had at Christmas time. Prolong the cosy feelings of nights in. You've got the perfect excuse to stay in, to avoid the bars, because it is cold and dark outside. You know, play with the kids and their Christmas presents, read your Christmas books, or just sit back and relax and allow yourself the little indulgences of Netflix if you want to. Um, Really get cosy and slow down, you know, Enjoy hot chocolate, drink great coffee and cups of tea and see it as a welcome break from all the fears and the silliness and, you know, you have to be perfect and looking your best and on all the time like we did in the festive season. Imagine that you're on a home-based wellness retreat, you know, where, I don't know, early nights, um, pyjamas, Long walks and recharging your batteries are the order of the day. 
And for every negative thought or fear you might have, try and reframe it to the positive like I did just there. So if you think, gosh, I'm going to be so bored. No, actually, you're not. You're going to have the time to do what it is that you want to do. And there's nothing boring in doing something that you love. Okay, so the next thing I want you to do is to look within yourself. Uh, And this really is the best advice that I can offer when it comes to taking a break from alcohol. You know, you do have everything that you need within you already. You know what it is that you really want and what it is that you really need. And it's just a case of tapping into that. So take some time to connect with yourself and work out why you want to do dry January in the first place. Is it because it's expected? Is it because your friends or or family are doing it? Is it because you feel awful and, and full of shame about your drinking behaviors? Is it because you went overboard at Christmas and you want to have a bit of a detox? Is it because you want to feel better or save some money? So how we see ourselves and what we want to achieve as we go into the month will have a huge impact on how the month plays out. So I suggest that instead of asking yourself, why am I giving up alcohol for the month? Instead, ask yourself, will my life be better after taking a break from alcohol this month? What do I want? How do I want to feel? How do I want to look? Um, And think about why it will be better and use this powerful feeling to carry you through. I want you to take a moment and picture yourself at the end of the month, so at the end of January, looking amazing, feeling great, And just focus on how that makes you feel. So what will you do with the money that you've saved? What will you do with the extra time and the extra energy and that lovely peace and freedom that you're going to experience? How amazingly proud of yourself will you feel? And Actually, even though we still have a couple of weeks to go before January starts, obviously from the time that I'm recording this, I'd love for you to do this now so you can start practicing those feelings as we move through the holidays. Practicing and repetition are key, honestly, when it comes to forming new habits and changing our behaviours. So imagine, visualize yourself how you want to feel by the end of January now and it will help you so much to lock in those positive feelings and emotions and also get prepared in whatever way you can get the support in place for January now. So why am I telling you to get support in place for January now? Because when you do, you're just going to feel so good about yourself. And one of my upcoming clients who's starting with me in January said that 
she is really looking forward to the opportunity of taking the time out to focus on living alcohol-free in more detail. After the fun, the excitement and distraction of this lovely festive season is over. And she said, you know, life is just so fast-paced and she's just so glad she has stopped, taken time to consider it and made a conscious decision now to take steps to prepare herself for an AF future, an alcohol-free future. And she said, it's so exciting. So notice that she used words like exciting, glad, fun, and lovely. That's what living alcohol-free is all about. That's what I want you to focus on. And focus on it now. So if, like my lovely client, you want to feel inspired and excited for January already, knowing you will be fully guided and supported, then book a chat with me and let's lock that support in. And I leave the link in the show notes. And this is important, you know, having support and also a clear image of how you want to feel really is key to enjoying a joyful January and beyond without alcohol. Because whenever things get difficult or challenging, and they probably will, you know, just because you stop drinking, life isn't all suddenly unicorns and rainbows. Um, when things get difficult or challenging, you can tap in to that image of yourself that you created and you can feel those wonderful feelings now. You really don't have to wait to feel good. And always focus on what you're gaining. Never, ever, ever think about what you might be giving up. Because really, we're not giving up anything except perhaps hangovers, wasted moments, those awful feelings of guilt and shame, the 3 a.m. terrors, you know, when you wake up, be dehydrated and your heart is pounding. And losing ourselves along the way every time we have a drink, that's what we're giving up. And this is your chance to get the real you, the wonderful and the happy and the free you back. So always focus on what you're gaining, never what you think you might be giving up. So we've got those feel-good feelings sorted and we've got the support in place. And now it's time to do a little bit of planning. Now we have to plan for it, otherwise, you know, we might struggle and I don't want you to struggle. So planning is an important practical step. And we plan for everything, so why not plan for this? Change doesn't happen overnight. It does take time. So I want you to take your time. Focus on the vision you have of your future self without alcohol. Whether that be 30 days, 100 days, a year, or even longer if you want. And use that strong vision to create what you desire by taking it slowly. So imagine 
the future version of yourself, what do you do every single day to be that person? So plan your days and visualize what your life will look like from the place of already having achieved it. And have some fun with your planning. Create a vision board or a future you board. I always say this because it is such good fun. And it's not just fun, it really works. So on your vision board or your future you board, um, put pictures on there, mantras, um, anything that kind of represents your dreams and desires. Put a picture of the holiday you'd like to take with the money you've saved. Make sure you've got images of yourself happy and smiling with your family or, I don't know, standing in your newly decorated kitchen if that's what you want. Imagine getting the new job or starting the business that you've always wanted to start. Whatever you hope to achieve with the newfound freedom, energy, motivation and extra cash, because there will be extra cash, um, put it on your board, look at it often, um, leave it by your bed even and look at it before you go to sleep to give your subconscious an extra reminder when you're sleeping. So this is going to be your source of inspiration. This is the thing that's going to help you through. So do do it. I'd love to know um, when you do it and how you found the experience. So do share. You can message me on Instagram or send me an email. Um, and I'd love to know how it helps you. I really love vision boards and visualizing. And I just, I want you to experience just how powerful they are too, which is why I always talk about this in my podcasts and in my blogs. Um, so what else can you do? Well, you might not be a visual person in the sense of um, just looking at pictures. That might not help you, and that's okay. There are other ways of tapping into those amazing feelings you get when you think about the future you. So get a journal. Um, and even if you are going to do a vision board, get a journal as well. And make sure it's a nice one. Make sure it's special. Make sure it's something that you look forward to writing in. You know, remember that this journey is lovely and wonderful and inspiring and uplifting. So make sure that everything that you have associated uh, with what you're doing reflects that. So a lovely journal, a nice pen, when you do your journaling, make sure you make your cup of tea in your favorite cup. You know, all of those kind of things. And journaling is really, really powerful. And when I work with a client, the coaching is backed up by a series of workbooks, which include journaling exercises, because it is such a powerful and effective tool. And these workbooks are beautiful on purpose and as one of my clients told me that she loves diving in and doing the exercises um, because it is a lovely place to be it does feel safe and 
she uses this time as her safe space, as her loving space, and they make her feel good about herself and what she's doing. So make sure that your journal is lovely. (laughs) And journaling, actually, it doesn't have to be scary. So if you've never done it before, honestly, don't worry. You don't have to write five pages every single day. It doesn't have to take hours of your time. But it is essential, I would say, especially in the early days, in checking in with yourself and charting your progress. So in your lovely, beautiful journal, take some time each day and write out your intentions. So even if your intention is today, I'm not going to drink, write that down. Write through cravings. Use the space to plan how you're going to treat yourself. Scribble down, you know, your feelings. Make lists. Write down your whys and what fors or just use the space to daydream. Let everything out on paper and look back at it from time to time to see how far you've come. Don't worry about, you know, writing in full sentences or spelling or anything like that. Just let your pen flow because this simple act of connecting to our inner selves and putting it down on paper is actually hugely therapeutic in itself it gives you that space and that time to really connect with what we're doing and you can use your journaling when you might have a craving which I'll talk about in a minute and you can use your journaling as a new routine if you like so you can add it to your morning routine or your evening routine or your wine o'clock routine Um, And that's what I want to talk about now, changing routines. Because often drinking is just a habit. It can just be a habit. You know, the old routine of wine o'clock that we do automatically. So really to get out of this habit and behavior pattern, it is worth thinking about changing your routines a little bit. And making the normal wine o'clock a lovely and welcoming and fun time instead. So make a little bit indulgent and a little bit special if you can. Um, I do have a guide on how to beat wine o'clock. So if you hop on over to soberbliss.com, you can sign up to receive my weekly newsletter and you will get your free guide to getting through wine o'clock but I'll put the link in the show notes as well so instead of just not drinking at wine o'clock I'd love you to think about um, what else you can do so you don't feel deprived or you don't feel like you're just switching I don't know the wine for a cup of tea or that you're going to be missing out Because what we're really trying to do here is break the association between 6pm and wine or walking through the door after work and a gin. We want to break that pattern, break that association. And it doesn't really matter what kind of drinker you are. 
So if you are a home drinker like I was, if you are a pub goer or more of a social drinker, it's important to not do the thing that you've been doing. It's important to break the routine, switch things up a bit and, you know, break the behavior patterns. So try to do something different when it would be your normal trigger time. So after work or nine o'clock or when the kids have gone to bed, you know what that looks like for you. And be a little bit creative and inventive. So if you want to go out, you know, if your thing is going out on an evening, then don't go to the same places you would normally go to, at least not at first. So maybe go to the cinema or the theater or, I don't know, ice skating or something instead. I'm sure you've got much better ideas than I have. Instead of meeting your friends for dinner, why don't you meet them for lunch or meet them for coffee in the mornings or meet them and go for a walk together? All of these things are ways that you can still have the contact, you know, with your friends and family, but just in a safer, different setting. And also might be useful to think about doing things that you can't do while you're drinking. So by that I mean like with your hands, you know, knitting, although I suppose you could do that. <laughs> um weightlifting. <clears throat> I don't think it would be very successful to lift weights while you're drinking. Running, you know, you can't run with a wine glass in your hand. Going swimming writing you know anything that you like doing sounds interesting or a bit of fun um that you wouldn't normally associate with having a drink so if you usually reach for wine um you know when you come in after work then you want to have a plan in place for what you do when you walk through the door so instead of walking straight to the fridge You might decide, I'm going to walk straight upstairs and jump in the bath or in the shower. And then I'm going to put my pajamas on. You know, me time and relax time and wind down time doesn't have to involve a glass of wine. But it does have to involve doing something that you like. So treat yourself. Treat yourself to a hot chocolate or a cake or... I don't know, a bit of telly or a bath, something else, something that feels good instead of doing what you normally would. So do whatever you need to, but just don't go for the wine or the beer or whatever it is. And the more you keep doing something different, the more natural this new behavior will feel. Yes, you will have to think about it at first. Yes, you will have to maybe put things in place ready for when you get home. Yes, you will have to make a conscious effort. But the more you do it, the easier it will become, I promise. From my own experience, when I quit drinking, um, I used to have my first beer at, I don't know, about half past two when the kids got home. So instead of just not drinking when the kids got home I made sure that I ate something with the kids and then I would go out with the dogs straight away 
And then when I came in, I would wash the dishes. And that's what I did every day for probably two or three months. And then I got bored and I did something else. But it was long enough to break that association with 2.30 and a can of beer. You know, sometimes I would have a nap or take a shower. And by the time I'd done these things, whether it was sleeping or walking or cleaning or whatever it was, the thoughts about drinking had gone, the craving had passed. And I found that actually I didn't want to drink anymore because those urges and thoughts, they really don't last long. The only way that they can become difficult or painful is if you indulge in the thoughts. So if you try and talk yourself out of the thoughts, um, but if you decide that I'm just going to do something else instead and commit to that, then you will feel completely different at, say, I don't know, 8 o'clock than you did at 5 o'clock when the thoughts first crept in. And I do want to mention cravings here because they will happen when we are no longer doing something that we've always done, then we will have an urge, a craving to do that thing. But honestly, they are nothing to be scared of. Even if they feel, like physically feel difficult, they will pass. They will get easier and you can get through them. So whether your craving is I don't know, a flicker of a thought or a whisper from the wine witch or a full-blown, you know, physical sensation. I want you to accept that they will happen. Be aware of them. Notice how they make you feel. And then use all the tools that you have available to you to overcome them. And I do have a separate podcast all about the different techniques that you can use to overcome cravings. I don't want to go into them all right now, but simple things, like I said, deciding that um, I'm going to do something else instead. Um, Changing the room that you're in, leaving the room, going outside, screaming, shouting, singing, dancing, you know, whatever it is to... Stop thinking, stop focusing on the the thoughts that the craving brings will help you. But I will put the podcast episode in the show notes. So go and have a listen to that um, to get some more help and support and ideas. And remember that each time you beat a craving, you get through this feeling, you will get stronger and the craving will get less and disappear altogether, I promise. Okay, so this next point is really, really, really important and I want you to take it seriously and commit to doing this every single day. So the next thing to help you um, have a joyful January is I want you to think about celebrating and rewarding yourself often. Why? Because you are doing an amazing thing. And sometimes, yeah, it can feel hard. 
it can feel like a bit of a slog. So it's important to celebrate your achievements every single day and often throughout the day if you can. So for example, if I've had a really tough day and um, I've managed to get through without drinking, not so much now because it just, the thoughts just don't come into my head, but in the beginning, when we went through a really difficult time, every day was a struggle. I would reward myself at the end of the day by really spoiling myself at bedtime. You know, I would put on lovely pajamas and snuggle down with a book, maybe do a meditation. Or if I was feeling particularly indulgent or deserving of a treat, then I would make a hot chocolate. You know, all of those things make you feel proud and happy. And it's like giving yourself a big old hug or a pat on the back. So allow yourself to treat yourself in this way. And, you know, it can be anything. You might want to buy a new book or a new candle. You might want to get your hair done or dip into the money that you're saving and buy yourself something nice. Because all of this adds up to the feeling of just that general, you know, joy and happiness. And it's important to allow yourself to feel good as often as you can. So as well as celebrating and treating yourself, I'd love for you to think about bookending your days with things that make you feel nurtured and inspired. So by that, I mean doing something that makes you feel good in the morning and doing something that makes you feel good in the evening. So even if you have to get up 10 minutes early so you can sit with your lovely scented candle, you know, the one that you've been keeping for a special occasion, do it because every morning is a special occasion. So allow yourself to experience it. Listen to your favorite song in the morning. Read something inspiring. And at bedtime, like I said, apply fabulous pajamas. Um, use essential oils. Make your bedroom smell gorgeous. Spend a little longer on your usual routine. And make sure that you feel special when you climb into bed. And during the day, remember to be kind and loving to yourself as well. So our day should be peppered with little things that make us feel good and bring us joy. So go for a walk, listen to music, dance to music, read a book, drink great coffee and eat what you want. Now is not the time to worry about anything else. It's really not. I, for example, spent two months on the sofa eating cake when I first quit drinking and I still lost weight. So don't worry about, you know, calories or sugar or anything. What we're doing right now is not drinking. And remember that we are gathering evidence as well that you don't need alcohol to feel good or to enjoy yourself. And actually, you're not missing out on anything at all. Quite the opposite. So anything that you can do that makes you feel good is evidence that you don't need alcohol to do it. And finally, my kind of last point about, you know, how to make January joyful and don't think of it as a dry month is 
if you're struggling, if you think you might struggle, and we touched on this before, then get the support in place now. And never be afraid to ask for help as you go through the month. Um, You don't have to do this by yourself. You really don't. And in today's kind of alcohol-soaked world where drinking is just so normalized, it can be hard to ask for help because you don't want to be seen as, you know, the one with the problem or the weird one. But honestly, don't be afraid to ask for help. It is necessary sometimes and it does make the whole thing much easier and much nicer as well. And by help, you know, of course, I mean help from your friends and your family and your loved one. But I'm also talking here about real, proper, one-to-one human support. Because that is just so important. One of my clients said that she loves the fact that we check in a week, uh, twice a week rather, and she knows that I'm there. And it's important that she has that contact time. Which is why my six and three month coaching programs are designed that way. They are hugely supportive and life changing. As I said, with weekly coaching sessions, Um, and WhatsApp support in between sessions. And as I mentioned before, beautiful workbooks to guide and support you every step of the way. So if you think you might need some extra support, if you think you might need some one-to-one guidance and accountability, um, I'd love to chat and, and support you. I'm taking bookings now for... January so if you're interested do click on the link and just let's have a chat um I'll send me an email and and let's get together and see how we can do this in a way that feels good to you that feels inspiring and uplifting because really that's what living alcohol free truly truly is so if you are interested then let's chat soon Um, Because if you book before the end of the year, then you can still take advantage of my current prices. Prices are going up in January. And I'm not saying this to kind of rush you, but I would hate for you to miss out. So if you can, book now. And let's have a chat. And finally, I want you to remember that going alcohol-free in January doesn't mean... You know, it's not a month of abstinence. It's not a month of deprivation or missing out or being strict with yourself. It's actually, if you want it to be, the jump start to a life of joy. Uh, It's a jump start to the freedom, the peace and a return to who you really are. Um, The problem that I often find with having a month of alcohol and I mentioned this in the beginning is that come the end of it we kind of say yes I did it now I can go back to normal and we kind of undo all of the good work that we've done over the past 30 days and I just want to say um and I'll point you in the direction of the podcast that 30 days is actually not long enough 
you do need a lot longer, which is another reason why, you know, sober October, dry January, dry July are great, but they're just not long enough. Um, it takes time to bring about positive change. So the key is to think of the month as an investment in your future health and happiness an investment in yourself. So I don't mean a financial investment. By investment, I mean taking the time to listen, to notice, to care for yourself and do what feels good to you. Um, So don't think of it as a month of booze, but use it as a month to reset, you know, to rethink your relationship with alcohol And to give your body a break and to take um, any experience that you gain and help and use those experiences to carry you forward. Because if done properly, taking a break from alcohol is hugely beneficial. But in order to get out of the kind of abstain, binge, repeat, pattern which often comes to mind when we think about dry January um, you know and which does you no good at all use the month as a springboard as I said to give you an insight on how you want your life to look like in the long term so what is your relationship with alcohol and how do you want that relationship to be use the month as an experiment if you like Uh, Think of yourself as being in training and notice everything. Um, So I hope that the podcast has inspired you to think differently about dry January. Uh, And if you are thinking of going alcohol-free starting in January, then like I said, notice everything and be aware, be mindful and listen to your heart, your soul and your body as you go through the month. Really use this time as an opportunity to put yourself first because you deserve it, simply. Um, And also because you will find that you will grow and change in the best possible way. So really notice what you go through in, in the month ahead. Um, Be kind and gentle, don't force anything and don't beat yourself up if you find it difficult or hard. Um, And above all, if you are struggling, then do reach out and do get help. That's why I am here and that's why there is so much support out there because we shouldn't have to do it on our own. And I promise you that You know, with the right support, a great positive attitude, a good dose of self-care, a plan and a cupboard full of tea bags and biscuits, you will get there and you will become the best, strongest, happiest and freest version of yourself. You really will. And there's nothing dry or dull or boring about that. So I really hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. Um, If you did, then I'd be super grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes and share it with anybody who you think might benefit from listening to the podcast. 
Um, and let me know if you are planning on having a joyful alcohol-free January this year. I'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I will be back in touch next week. But if you don't hear from me, have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, an amazing new year, and I might see you in the new year. Take care. Bye for now.